0: So I had the privilege of being read a letter. It was a little girl, probably about nine or ten, and she had written a letter, and my phone's going off. <laughs> it's a little girl. It's a little girl. Just, just upset that I'm telling her story. And so she wrote this letter, and it was addressed to her father. She wanted to write a letter to him because their relationship had been broken. It had been broken for a really long time. And in the letter, she addressed him. She addressed him in a manner that wasn't, wasn't sugar-coated. She told him, she's like, I forgive you for not being there for me. I forgive you for giving up on me. I forgive you for going a different way. I love you anyway, and I miss you. I would have loved to get to know you. I would love for you to know who I am today and the things that I've accomplished. But she never will. It was a letter that she had written to her father who had committed suicide when she was four years old. For her, her struggle was, was struggling whether or not she, she was worth it for him to stick around. Her relationships were going to be dictated by the fact that she never knew what it was like to have a father love her and care for and sacrifice for her. But the hardest part when I heard this letter was it wasn't that she was crying. It was that she was strong. It was that in spite of losing her father, in spite of not having him there with her, to guide her and lead her and love her and show her what it means to be respected and cared for, despite not having that, she was strong. She had accomplished much. She had goals. She had dreams. And it was painful. And she didn't deserve it. but she was gonna be okay. And this letter was one part of her chance at healing and growing and overcoming. Today we're talking about suffering, and it's not a fun topic. I've said this before and I said this again, I don't have to convince you guys that this world's broken. I I don't have to argue that point. All we have to do is take a few minutes and look at the news. All we have to take is a few minutes, and look at our schools, to see brokenness that affects young people everywhere. All throughout the world and all throughout time, we have experienced so much brokenness. And it seems like the hardest brokenness to experience is when, when innocent people suffer for things that they didn't deserve. Things that they didn't do. Let's not pretend that suffering doesn't penetrate these walls. At some point in our life, at some point in this week, probably at some point this morning. We've said, I'm fine. Through a painted on smile. When we struggle. When we hurt. I think one of the hardest aspects of suffering is the hopelessness that associates with it. The fact that when we suffer, we're reminded that we're powerless. We're reminded that we only have so much control in this world, we only have so much reach. And we can't change the way that people treat us, we can't change the way that people treat one another. We're locked inside our own minds, we're locked inside our own bodies. And sometimes we just ride the waves. When we see innocent people suffer, we tend to question why God lets it happen. He says he has a plan, but where does, where does this little girl's tragedy fit into that plan? When we suffer due to our own brokenness, we feel trapped by the things that we can't change even in our own lives. Sometimes we feel caught in a circle of self-destruction. And I want to put down this idea once and for all that Christians don't suffer because Christians do suffer. And the hard truth is, is that if we've come to this church and we come to this place hoping that we can grab onto Christ and, let, and be free of all the suffering and for all time and and forever, That's something that we will eventually have. But right here on this earth, it's not something we have. God didn't promise us a perfect, entirely peaceful life. But truthfully, he promised us something so much better, so much more deep. And that's what we get to look at today. In my prayer, if I have one thing that I pray this morning is that through this teaching and through this scripture that you fall in love with the hope of Christ. My hope is that, is that you get a chance to understand what it means to have hope in Christ. Because without hope in Christ, we are just as lost as the rest of the world. We don't have a chance without hope in Christ. And so my hope this morning is that we get a glimpse of it. We get a glimpse of the beauty that is hope. And this morning, we're going to find that hope by opening our Bibles. So please open up your Bibles to to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. So as you turn to to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, I kind of want to... I want to give us an overview. Over the past two months, we've been in the book of Romans, and we've actually gone through uh, Romans chapter 1 through 4. And if we look at how how Romans is structured, we actually realize that we're at a turning point in the book. Because chapters 1 through 4, Paul is telling us all about the gospel. He's telling us all uh, all about our own brokenness, all about the righteousness of God and how we need it. He's essentially giving us the basics, basics of the gospel. And at this point in, in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, there's kind of a little bit of a switch because we're no more emphasizing on the basis of the basics of the gospel. What we're doing is we're looking at the assurance and the hope and the peace and the mercy and the grace that we get from the gospel. It's, we're focusing on the security that we have in what Christ did for us. So, in Romans 5, 1, we're actually gonna read through 11. And I'm gonna go ahead and read it all right here. And then we'll talk about it. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And you see, just as the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anybody die for a righteous person. And though for a good person, some might even possibly dare to die, God demonstrated his love for us in this, is that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So where is the hope in all of that? We just had 11 verses of some of Paul's finest For me, this verse is incredibly powerful to me because this is actually one of the first verses that I read as a young person that kind of set me on my journey to find what God really meant to me, what he meant for me. It was the first verse that challenged me to take that extra step to seek what was this assurance, what was this security, what is this stuff that he's talking about? And we're gonna dig in. we're going to start with a word. And that word is justified. Because in this verse, he tells us right off the bat, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Justified. Well, I guess the question being is, what are we justified for? Well, at the beginning of the verse... There's this little keyword, and it's, it's therefore, and it's kind of Paul's hint that this isn't the beginning of a thought, but it's Paul's hint that this scripture that we're reading right now is building off of something. Is building off a of foundation, and if we and if we remember that the last two months, chapter chapters one through four, we've been talking about the gospel, we've been talking about faith, we've been talking about this stuff called righteousness. We realize that that Paul is. He's referring back. And if we read back, we learn that it's our unrighteousness, our brokenness that we're being justified for. We learn that it's Christ's death that we need to place our faith in. We learn that it's our, very, it's our very nature, that when the moment we were born, we were predispositioned to brokenness. And we call that sinfulness. We learn that we have A limitation toward righteousness, that there's a disconnect there, that we need some help. And that's what this is, is that Paul's referring back to the gospel. He's telling us, do you know what Jesus did? Did you know that you were born broken, that we have lived a life of checking the box that said, not God's way? And when we come to the point where we need, when we need connection with God and when we need peace with God, he says, there is a way. There's a way. Jesus, God's son, came down and he gave everything. He gave his life so that we could have justification. Because if we were in a courtroom and we looked at our, at our logbook of all the sins that we had committed, I tell you, It's long. I've committed so many sins, I can't even remember the sins I've committed. But imagine that book being dumped away in the fire. And you get a new book. And written on the book is the righteousness of Christ. And that's what justification means. It means that everything that we had in that book is tossed aside, and we get Christ's righteousness. But why do we need Christ's righteousness? Why is it so important? Whenever we talk about our need to get rid of sin, whenever we talk about our need for righteousness, I always get a question. And that question is, why is God so judgmental toward us? He created us. We were born this way. We didn't choose it. Why does he look down on us? Why does he, he he find the need to make us jump through hoops to get to know him? Why can't he just forgive us all and just let us straight into heaven? Well, the point is, is that all of this serves a purpose. Because when he created us, he created us with one foundational need. And that was a need for relationships. Very specifically, he created us the need for a relationship with him. And he gave us one another so we could have relationships with each other. And on that foundation, it's important that we have the right relationship with God. It's important that when he created us, we had to have the option to check the box that said, not God. If we didn't have that, he would have created drones. He would have created a body of people who he could just say, love me and we do it. But for us to have the fullness of the relationship he wanted to have with us, we had to have that checkbox. We had to have that will. We had to have the option to not choose him. And we have done a really good job of not choosing him. All the way back to Adam today, throughout history, we just look at that brokenness, and there's a whole lot of not choosing God. And he knew it, he knew that we were going to make mistakes. He knew that we were gonna be broken. He knew that we weren't going to tick the right box. So he had a plan. He had a plan that focused on forgiveness and mercy and grace all the way done. But it had to be done right. It couldn't be done wrong. It couldn't be, you couldn't have shortcuts. You couldn't just, yeah, come in, forget it, why not? You know, God had had to give us a way to have the right relationship with him. And that is why we needed Jesus. And that is why we needed his righteousness. Because without it, that relationship is just not right. And then we get on to the next part of the, the verse, the next big point, And that's that we have been justified through faith and we have peace with God through Jesus. That very statement that says we have peace with God through Jesus means that it's assuming that at one point we didn't have peace with God through Jesus and that, and that we needed something to change for us to, to actually have that peace. And that's what Jesus was for. Because when we look at how, how, when God created us, why did he create us for relationship? Did he create us because he needed people to serve him? Did he create us because he needed people to glorify him? You know why he created us? because he wanted to share himself with somebody. He wanted a people that he could pour love into, that he could pour mercy into, that he could pour grace into, that he could pour life into. He created us to experience God, to experience him in the deepest way possible. And we could not do it. We couldn't get to that place if it wasn't for what Jesus did for us. And that's why reconciliation with God matters. That's why that peace matters. Because it's in this peace, in this reconciliation that we get to experience God. And if we keep reading, we'll read that through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. We get this amazing thing called grace. And I want to share with you my favorite picture of what grace is. Have you ever stood on the beach and you got to see the ocean? I remember when I did it for the first time as a kid. It was a a family vacation we went to California. And I got to stand at the beach as a little kid. And I got to see how big it was. I got to see the fact that I could look out for miles and and it never ended. I got to see just how enormous this ocean was and just how tiny I was. God's grace is an ocean. And we all have our pebbles. We all have our brokenness. We all have our sins. And when we come to God and we experience his grace, we get a chance to let go of those pebbles. We have a chance to let go of the brokenness. And we get to toss them in an ocean. An ocean that swallows them up and they're gone forever. And guess what? The best thing about this ocean is that you could get 7 billion people. You could get everyone throughout history to get a pebble, to get their sins, their rocks, their boulders, and we could all throw them in the ocean. You know what the best part of the ocean is? it would rise and consume them all. And it would be nothing. It would be like nothing happened. Because the grace isn't affected by our sin. It's overwhelming and it's consuming. And there's enough, a boundless amount of that grace for us forever. And the best thing about that grace is that when Jesus went and he died on the cross for us, it wasn't just so that, you know, The sins that you would do right now would be fixed. But you know what? He died for the sins that you're going to do. He died for the sins that you haven't even thought about doing. He died for every sin, for every person, for all eternity, forever. That is the ocean of grace that we get access to. That is the ocean of grace that we have a chance to dive into. And it is in that grace that we, got, we start getting to experience glimpses of that relationship that he intended to, for us to have right from the very beginning. But that's not all. Let's keep reading. We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You know what he's telling us? He's telling us that when we get to experience that relationship with God, when we get to experience that sea of grace, when we get to experience our logbook being cleaned out, when we get to experience that love that drove Jesus to the cross, when we get to experience those things, suffering doesn't destroy us. Because we're in a whole different place. Because our mindset isn't caught up in, in enjoying life because it has no pain. Our mindset is caught up that we get to enjoy life because our God gives us value. We get to enjoy life because we have somebody that's going to love us no matter what. We get to enjoy life because we have a sea of grace that we can dive into. And though it hurts sometimes, and though we experience brokenness, and though we tend to hurt each other, It doesn't trump God's love. And this next part is something that that touched me when I was a kid. It just wrecked me. Because I I had never thought about death or dying for somebody. And so I ask you a question. A question that you, you you get to mull through on your own, and it's this. Who would you be willing to die for? And who in your life do you think is willing to die for you? Now, was something that when I was like nine or ten years old, I'd never thought about that. I thought about Hot Wheels and Legos. I just started realizing the girls were a thing, and that they were amazing. And then I get faced with this question. Is something that just wrecks me, and I read, and, I, and, it's, and it's in verse 6. And it says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, some might even possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we think, yeah, well, that's the gospel, right? But we don't get it. Because when we, look at, when we look at this relationship, we realize that when God was in his most perfect place, when he was in the place, which he has always been, by the way, of grace and mercy and love, and we were in the place of not only fighting that grace and that mercy and love, but we were actively bitter with it. He reached across the aisle. He reached across the bridge, and he extended out, Jesus. When we were at our broken, our most broken point, he still reached out to us. When we were enemies with God. And that's not the fact that, and when we look at the the term of enemies with God, well, why would God be malicious to us? No, you gotta realize that we weren't in a place to be at harmony with God. And there's two directions. There's either away from God or toward him. And in sin, we just move away from him. And God hates it. God hates sin. Not because he wants us to jump through hoops, Not just because he wants to stand up on his throne and judge us and and nitpick us for being broken. God hates sin because it breaks us. God hates sin because it destroys us. God hates sin because it tears away at our humanity. God hates sin because it separates us us from the one thing that can heal us and that's him and it is in that justification and it is in that reconciliation and it is in that grace and it is in that love that we have hope and throw in there it is in that family that we get in Christ. It is in through one another we get to see that hope and we get to be reminded of it. So when suffering comes, and I tell you it will come, and it will come fast and it will come hard and it will disillusion us and it will hurt us and it will try to disintegrate us, that we have a Christ who doesn't waver, that we have a family that will not go away that we have relationships that will ground us until the day that we get to be with Jesus in heaven. And we have hope in suffering because we know it's temporary. We We have a chance to rely on Jesus, to grow, to persevere, to build character, to find that hope. We know that when we make mistakes and we suffer because of them, that we have grace that we can wash in. We are not alone in our suffering, and we have hope in our suffering. And one thing that we find as we read throughout this this verse is that every single step of the way, Paul points back to Jesus. Every moment, whether it's the justification or the grace or the love, he points back to Jesus because it's in Jesus that our hope lies. And without it, we suffer hopelessly. And we don't have to. I extend the invitation. If you want to know what it looks like to have that hope in Christ, please feel free to talk to me. Please feel free to talk to Roger. Talk to David. Talk to your neighbor. There's nothing more valuable to me than the hope I have in Christ and there's nothing more precious that I want to share. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray together. Jesus, we are grateful on so many levels for hope. Lord, for this tool that we have to get us through the darkest moments, this tool that we have that we can be a beacon of light to those who are in these dark moments. Lord, I am grateful for the, for the boundless grace that we get to just partake in every moment of every day. We are so blessed to know you, and we are so blessed to be here together. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.